Hey everyone, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. My name is Zach and I'm here with my wife Krista. Hello, hello. Who just a couple of minutes ago was doing a pre-podcast dance. Chanting, I like to podcast, I like to podcast, (laughs) trying to talk herself into the podcasting mood. Positive self-talk. Positive self-talk. I believe it to be true. You're not supposed to tell what happens behind the scenes of the podcast here. Yeah, we should do some behind, like behind the scenes cuts of our podcast. I brought up a couple weeks ago putting a a video camera on us because I know a couple of people will do that where they'll record themselves podcasting and put it on YouTube. But Krista didn't like that idea. I, I, the reason I chose a podcast was because I don't have to video <laughs> myself. It's much easier to talk. If you yes. want to do a pre-podcast dance as well, you can. You can pause right now and do some warm-ups and, uh, and it then really be, helps be ready my, to go. Help the, my brain get going. Help the juices flowing. Yeah. Uh, we are excited to be with you, though. This is uh, Matthew 3, Mark 1, and Luke 3. It's a, a kind of a big swath of scriptures this week, but we're excited to dive in. We wanted to start by reading a couple of comments we've gotten over the last couple of weeks um, from listeners on either Instagram or on our uh, podcast feed or um, we're just, we're really, really grateful for all of the, the comments that we've gotten and we wanted to highlight a couple of them. Yeah. And it's so fun to just read. We, we are not iPhone users, so we can't really log into our iTunes or maybe we can. If you know how to do that, tell us how, because we don't know how to respond. We're not really technologically savvy. We don't know how to respond to the iTunes comments, but just so you know, we read through them and I think I was almost crying on some of them, but we love the reviews. We're so grateful for people that are giving us ratings and leaving those kind comments that keep me going when my my pre-podcast workouts <laughs> doesn't, don't work. Doesn't work. I, I read a comment to get me going. But anyway, just thank you for what you're doing there and um, for the, the response that we're getting on those, even though I don't know how to respond there. So One that I like, and I'm just going to say the first name because I can't pronounce the last name. It's Lindsay, and I'm sure there's a cool way to pronounce that last name, but uh, commented. She says, I just started listening, and I'm loving you guys. Thank you very much. In the Matthew 1, Luke 1 lesson, you were talking about being asked to do things that we weren't expecting. A few weeks ago, I was asked to teach a Stake Relief Society lesson, and I've just been feeling so inadequate. Um, What you guys said about being called to the unexpected and how God has a plan for us really spoke to me and helped me feel like it was going to be okay and I can rise up to the challenge. Um, Thank you so much, Lindsay, for the comment. And I liked it because it shows that if if there's power in the podcast, it comes as you take the ideas, make them your own, and apply them to your life. And so it's nice to hear. From the scriptures. Yeah, it's nice to hear when people people are taking those principles and running with them. And I loved what, this is Candice, and her Instagram is Convert at Home, and she shares some ideas what she's doing with her family. And she said that she shared with her kids from some of the stuff that she studied from the weight worship and witness episode that we did. Um, and she says they loved it. And even though they are only five and seven, they totally got it. They were able to pick out who in the story worshiped, who waited and who witnessed of Christ. And they talked about when they had seen others or themselves do the same. She says she was pretty surprised that they caught on, but was grateful that she had listened earlier that day so that she could apply what she had, what she had learned that day. So we love that. Uh, Jen plans a lot, left a comment about how she's been, I think the word she used was trudging through the Bible with her kids. And, uh, and then 
was able to get a, her hands on a couple of cheap uh, NIV Bibles, and her scripture study with her kids has just come alive as they've been able to understand the language more. And she said something at the end that I really liked. She said, I think I can be kind of a purist in my thinking about some things, and because the church only uses the KJV, then that's the only valuable version. But the value lies in teaching my children the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they can understand and incorporate into their lives. And so I, I thought that was an awesome comment and a great perspective. Okay, one more here um, from Bell Bell 21. <laughs> I don't know her name, but... It's Bell Bell 21. <laughs> you know who you are. Thank you. Fresh and Faithful is exactly what your podcast is. It's refreshing really just to have something so simple and based on the scriptures, yet so insightful that has sparked learning, inspiration, and revelation for myself already. I was struggling with where and how to study it all, but now I find myself wanting to sneak away from all the things I have to do to study more. I love that. That's just what we are hoping to be able to do. So thank you. We hope that this is really just the beginning of your study, or maybe it's the middle of your study, but that maybe we can add a little bit of insight um, and excitement, ultimately, right? So thank you so much for your comments. We love hearing them, and we'll keep doing what we're doing. Okay, um, our study this week, I, I was on the train yesterday, and I don't think I've even told you the story yet. I was on the train, I think this was Friday, I was you riding home. It, but... And... Uh, I think it was like a whole zone of missionaries got on the train and then they did what missionaries do. They just started spreading and you could tell, you could tell that people knew they were coming because they were trying to hide and quickly putting in earbuds or pulling up their books or something. <laughs> we live in Utah, by the way. Yeah. So that's probably why everyone knows. Yeah. So, um, and one of the elders started talking to a guy that was sitting a couple of seats away from me and I could tell this guy just did not want to have anything to do with what the elder was trying to say. And uh, he mentioned, the man mentioned that he used to be a member of the church, but he had, quote, had enough of that and uh, gave off a whole lot of apathy. And it was interesting because afterwards, the girl next to him, after the missionary started, stopped talking, the girl next to him reached over and talked to him. And then he was all engaged in talking to her, but didn't want to talk to the missionary. And, and the thought that I had that was interesting is, here these missionaries are, and people look at them and make this really quick judgment about what they're all about. But I was listening to what this elder was teaching this man, uh, and it was it was it what the elder was saying was not what the man was hearing. Um, he looked at the elder and made the snap judgment about what he did or what he said, and wasn't actually listening to what he was saying. And it's interesting because that morning I was reading John the Baptist for our study, and my thought was similar that we call him John the Baptist and we know that he baptized Jesus. But do we ever really pause and read what it was that John the Baptist was saying? What was his message? Yeah, it's almost maybe we're, well, we know he he says that repentance. I think he's known for that too. But mm -hmm. so often, especially as I teach my kids, it's like, oh, what did John the Baptist do? He baptized. Right. So it is fun to think a little bit deeper. What so this he... was a new, kind of a new study for, for us and that we've never really dug that deep into John's message and it was neat for us to be able to study and hopefully neat for you as well. And so what we wanted to do is look at the message that John gives. And of course his message is centered around repentance. And so we wanted to point out just a couple of phrases, a couple of things that John says before he actually baptizes Jesus that we think will kind of give a fresh and faithful view of repentance, that'll change the way that we view ourselves, change the way that we view repentance, and hopefully change the way that we view our relationship with the Savior. 
in all of these chapters as we read through. That is the message of John the Baptist. He is telling us to repent. It says in, starting off here in Matthew chapter 3, and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is just what he's doing. He's preparing the way. He's getting people ready through the preaching of repentance. Um, I have always loved the definition that comes from the Bible dictionary. Probably many of you are familiar with that. It says under repentance, a fresh view about God, oneself, and about the world. As we talk about what this repentance really is and what John taught about it, I just think that is kind of the essence of what this is all about. Coming to know God better so he can change us and so we can help change or so that we can feel that. I think you were looking up the Greek, Hebrew? Yeah, the Greek the Greek word there um, means uh, a change of mind or a change of purpose. It literally means a, a change of course. In German, even the word in the scriptures for oh, repentance yeah. is, is umkehren, which means to... To, to literally turn It around. means to make a U-turn. It's the same word they use for a U-turn. So it literally means to turn yourself around, to change your course, to change your path. Mm-hmm. And as we think about kind of those those definitions of this, the meaning of this word that we use all the time in as believers of Jesus Christ, that's what he teaches us, turning to him. I just think this fresh view can be so empowering. Um, I've had this experience, maybe I like this so much because I've had this experience, experience myself, and as we were speaking in the beginning of positive self-talk, mm-hmm. um, I think this might have been one of those... Um, moments for me where I was able to gain that fresh view because God helped me. I It was that super overwhelming negative self-talk, that, that experience where I just was constantly comparing myself to other people and even having negative thoughts about other people because I was comparing myself to them ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Um, That's interesting because I don't think most people would think that you have to repent for the way that you view yourself. When we think of repentance, we think if I got to stop stuff that I'm doing, but we don't often think I've got to stop the way that I'm thinking about things. I've got to change the way that I'm viewing myself or viewing the world. And that's as important a part of repentance as it is, I got to stop swearing or I got to stop, you know, whatever. Right. When we, when we talk about what repentance really is, that old, that is ultimately what it comes down to. And I'm sure many of you out there can relate to these type of thoughts. And what it took for me was turning around and remembering what God thought about me. Hmm. Um, And giving kind of, I don't know, repenting, giving up my, my sins ultimately was if, if I really believed that he thought that highly of me, that I was really one of his children then why would I be saying and feeling and thinking those things? Um, and I mean, this was a process for me. To, and granted, I, I think I'm still going through this. But um, I have experienced, I guess I loved reading that fresh view about God. When I realized that he would help me, I was changed myself. And I was able to see people in such a different way. And so I've experienced that repentance process and in that form. And I think that that's, 
something that all of us can experience in whatever form it is. I'm sure what you're going through is different or maybe it's similar, but that fresh view of, of God, ourself, and the world can really change what, we, what we're thinking. You know, that makes me think of, of in Luke 3, uh, John's message is spelled out a little bit more than it is in Matthew 3. This is verses 4 and 5. Uh, well, first, I guess, in verse 3, that John went forth preaching repentance. And then verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Uh, when kings would come into a city, a lot of times they would send people ahead of the king, if they were important enough, to to uh, clear the way, make sure there weren't any boulders in the way, if there was a big detour to make a new path, um, if, it was a, if there was a big divot to fill it in. And so to prepare the way for kings is what John is doing. And I love what you're saying because you're talking about repentance is a way for me to clear out these things that are blocking Jesus's entry into my life. I'm clearing a way that I view myself. I'm clearing the way that I view other people so that he has an, an unrestricted access to my mind and my heart. Um, I, I feel like I, I play a part in your repentance process by calling you to repentance because I to tell you I'm trying to tell you constantly no you're not you're not who you're saying you are if anyone else called you that I'd beat them up but <laughs> that's true but the important part is thinking those things exactly. about yourself so that you can so that you can have that unrestricted relationship with the Savior yeah and I love what you talked about that removal of obstructions in in your way of because isn't so often we are our own obstruction mm -hmm. to to God's love and to the power of Jesus Christ um how often do we experience that where it's not anything else blocking he's trying to get through to us but we're the ones that is as president nelson always says stay on the covenant path mm -hmm. and if you're not there come back mm -hmm. come back to the covenant path because the blessings are there because that's where Jesus Christ is. I love it. I love it. Um, the verse or the phrases that I liked a lot um, that I think kind of reshaped the way we view repentance is in verse 8, still in Luke 3, uh, there's that verse 7 where John criticizes the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And one way to view this, um, these are two groups that are mentioned throughout the New Testament. The Pharisees are a more religious group. They're focused on strict observance of the law, even the so-called oral traditions of the elders. What they have done is they've taken the law of Moses and to prevent anyone from violating the law of Moses, they've surrounded it with all of these oral traditions, which are things like you can only take so many steps on the Sabbath, otherwise you're violating the Sabbath. You can only work with one hand on the Sabbath, otherwise you violate the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees held so strictly to these that a lot of times they got in their own way of actually living a religious life. The Sadducees were a more political group. They were the rulers. Uh, they were quite at odds with the Pharisees on most doctrinal issues, and yet they unite here against John and quite often against Jesus because they see them as a threat to their congregations. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are constantly trying to win converts or congregants. They're trying to turn people away from God and to their own specific um, kind of rested view of the gospel, which is why in verse 7, Jesus calls them a den of vipers or generation of vipers. 
Um, it's a subtle, not so subtle way of accusing them of following Satan, trying to turn people away from God. Um, so in verse 8, John says to them, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say with yourselves, We are the seed of, we have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. By stones, he means these Gentiles, anybody. God's able to make anybody the seed of Abraham. So the fact that you're descended from him doesn't set you apart from anyone else. You still have a need to repent. What I like most about this verse, though, is the idea that there are fruits of repentance. And here's something that I think we kind of misunderstand um, about repentance in our culture. We, I, I've heard people teach repentance, and they'll they'll provide a list of things that have to be done in order for someone to repent. Well, in order to repent, you have to. There's the five R's. You've got to make. Uh, you've got to be have remorse, and you've got to. I can't remember the other R's. It shows how good I listened to those lessons. No, I don't think it. I think they actually have that in like the strength of youth or something. Yeah, or maybe it's C's, confess. And anyway, there's all these different steps that you have to do in order to repent. And it's especially hurtful to younger children because they get the idea that, okay, repentance is something that I do when we just barely talked about. No, repentance is something that I'm changing. Um, so I've always loved this quote. This is from, and we'll put this in our show notes, but this is from Elder Holland from a talk he gave at BYU. Um, called For Times of Trouble. You can change anything you want to change, and you can do it very fast. It takes exactly as long to repent as it takes you to say, I'll change and mean it. Of course, there will be problems to work out and restitutions to make. You may well spend, indeed you had better spend, the rest of your life proving your repentance by its permanence. But change, growth, renewal, and repentance can come for you as instantaneously as for Alma and the sons of Mosiah. That's it. Repentance means I'm going to change. Repentance means a fresh view about yourself and about God and a change of path. The fruits of repentance are the things that come once we've made that decision. So, for example, we all know Doctrine and Covenants section 58 says, By this you may know if a man repenteth of his sins, behold, he will confess them and forsake them. But I've heard that taught that you have to confess and forsake in order to earn the title of repentance. You're not repenting unless you're confessing and forsaking. Now, don't get me wrong, confession and forsaking the sin always accompany repentance. They are fruits of repentance. Without those fruits, you don't have true repentance. But the repentance comes first. You don't go and confess to your bishop so that you can repent. You repent first, and because you're a changed person, you will want to talk to your bishop. That's how you know that you've repented. Uh, the question I get quite often from teenagers is, is in fact, this may be number one, how do I know that I've repented? And that's always what we'll talk about is let's look at some of the fruits of repentance. Let's look at section 58. You will know that you've repented because you want to confess. If you're hesitant to confess and talk about it, you probably haven't made that change yet. You probably don't have a fresh view about yourself or about God or about your actions. And so I love the idea that there are fruits that follow repentance, not steps that precede it. God doesn't put uh, a manual in place in order for us to change. He just wants us to change. And as soon as we change, some things very naturally happen. Confession, forsaking, etc. And I love these these words that John uses, This these fruits, this repentance, this turning, this mm -hmm. all of these things that we can kind of envision of what they feel like 
it feels like i don't know you walk out on a cold day and the sun peeks out mm -hmm. it's it's those fruits of these words are so good it's because, very freeing to think that yeah repentance and that, can happen like that that really is what it is that i guess that's why they use the word fresh in the bible dictionary mm -hmm. but that like wow i'm feeling something different and this is i want to feel more of these fruits and it those fruits invite you to to come to to experience more of this. It makes repentance so much less heavy. Repentance is always the heavy topic. Okay, we're going to talk about how to repent and the steps of repentance. And But if repentance is used this viewed this way, that it's just this change, this fresh view, I think it lifts a lot of that burden and a lot of that stress and makes repentance an actual pleasure and a joy even. I think one of those fruits, and we kind of talked about this last episode when we brought up John when he was first introduced, but that humility that comes through, I think that could be a fruit of mm -hmm. this, of repentance is that humility, that attitude of just realizing that, wow, this, this is how God makes me feel when I come to him, when I put him first. This is how Jesus Christ, this is his power making me feel so turned <laughs> and that humility and i think we see that in john the baptist always answering um when he was baptizing all of these people in verse 6 chapter luke 3 16 john answered saying unto them all i indeed baptize you with water but one mightier than i cometh that the latchet of whose shoes i am not worthy to unloose he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire and that's his continual plea is it's not me so he's that again that discipleship mm -hmm. um, example that he gives us of um, that humility and constantly pointing people to to the real source. Another fruit too that the the baptism of fire, the confirmation of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, more fruits that follow repentance. Right. Um, well, in verse ten in Luke three, uh, the people asked him John, saying, "What shall we do then?" And he walks through this really specific list. He talks to publicans. He talks to soldiers. He talks to people. Um, I love, I've been focused a lot this year in my teaching on making teaching very practical. Sometimes we, we fall into the temptation of stopping at the principle and not getting to the practice. And so we'll teach our, our children or our class or even study ourselves, or ourselves, yeah. ourselves the principle of prayer. This is, this is why prayer is important. But we don't actually walk through the practical steps. Here's what you could say in a prayer to make it different. And so if we're to repent of our prayers, we need to do more than just talk about good prayers. We need to talk about the practices. And John does that. I love his teaching style uh, in asking, what shall we do? Um, but to close, I wanted to read, actually, this is outside of the block, but I wanted to read this. Um, this is Matthew chapter 11. Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that hear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy faith, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Um, what is it that makes John so great? I love his teachings on repentance. Um, 
I was listening earlier in the week to one of my best friends, Dan McKinley, shout out, that did a high five live, if you have ever watched them or listened to theirs. And his whole message was on repentance. And he shared this beautiful um, uh, scripture or thought from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Gethsemane when they're they're in trouble because they've partaken of the fruit, they have sinned. And God calls from heaven, this is in Moses chapter four, and says to Adam, in some translations, Adam, where art thou? But in Moses, the translation is Adam, where goest thou? And what Dan pointed out, which I loved, was God's concern wasn't so much about what Adam had done because it's done and you can't change what's done. I think sometimes in repentance, we try and focus so much on the past, which if there's restitution to make, we need to make restitution. If there's repairs or confessions, of course, that all needs to happen. But God's focus in that one verse is, Adam, where are you going to go now? Now that you've made this, are you going to turn back to me or are you going to keep down this sideways path that you've taken? And I think at the heart of repentance, at the heart of what John is teaching about repentance, that's what it is. Um, it is a turning to Jesus. Uh, it is accompanied by these fruits of humility and of love and of confession and of a desire to be better. Um, and it's ultimately a change in who we are and the way we think and the way that we act and, and, and live. So, this maybe sounds a little forward of me, but try it. Uh, repent this week. Uh, find the ways that you view yourself or the way that you view the world or your relationship with God. Find those things in you that are down a path that you don't want them to be on and make a U-turn. Um, start saying, I'll change and mean it. And then just watch the fruits that flow from it. Um, and if your experience has been like mine, sometimes it's difficult. It's not to say that it's not hard sometimes, but it brings such incredible joy and peace. Thank you for being with us this week. Thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you for being with us on Instagram and for all the wonderful reviews and comments. We're so grateful for that. Grateful for the scriptures. <laughs> so thank you. Hope you have a great week.